That was beautiful. A great leading. As Martin said, Cassie and Kelly had planned a vacation a long time ago. She had asked me to come preach in March, the first Sunday you didn't gather. So I didn't take it personally, trust me. Uh, she called me Saturday and said, okay, we've decided we're not having worship tomorrow after all. So I'm glad, I'm privileged to be here with you today in a beautiful sanctuary I've never been to. I've driven past it many times, uh, but I've never actually been in here. So thank you for this opportunity to come. If you had a bulletin, and it may be on the screen, uh, Calling the Curious, Andrew. Calling the Curious. Today, we are talking about call, being called. I like to subtitle this one, hashtag, be like Andrew. Do you know hashtags? Okay, cool, cool. So my husband Brad and I have moved to Graham officially February 1st when I retired as a licensed local pastor in the North Texas Conference. I have known Cassie and Kelly many, many, many years, probably close to 19, 20 years, before she went to seminary, before I went into ministry. So uh, I was, like I said, honored for her to, to ask me to be here. And then my husband, Brad, is always with us. He's my Kelly. Um, I don't know if he plays where's Kelly here, but I know he has it previous churches sitting in different places doing things to keep it all stirred up. Brad is like Kelly. He's always with me. And we uh, got married on Groundhog's Day. That was intentional. So let's do a little throwback to the movie Groundhog Day. Who remembers that movie? 1993. Yes. So the question that comes from Groundhog Day if you were doomed to live the same life over and over, would you choose the life you're living right now? It's a really good question. And it really fits where we're going today. That question is thought-provoking. Would you live the life you're living over and over? Would you be happy with that? But I've often wondered, what if your answer is no? Then what? Then what are you going to do? If we could interview characters in the New Testament, I would love to interview John the Baptist. Because John the Baptist is a good example of living the life he knew he was called to live, and he did it over and over. John the Baptist is one of the most distinctive characters in the New Testament. Most of you could tell me something about John the Baptist. He wandered the wilderness. He wore these wild-looking clothes made out of camel hair and, and a leather belt around his waist. He lived in the desert, he ate locusts and wild honey, and he preached this strange, strange message. Unlike so many people then 
and now, John the Baptist knew his mission in life. John knew exactly what his role was, what he was called to do. He clearly understood he had been set apart since conception. Do you remember at Christmas hearing the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth and Mary coming and this baby in, in, um, in Elizabeth's womb leapt for joy? That was John the Baptist. He knew he had a purpose. He knew he had a purpose. And his purpose was simply to proclaim the coming of the Messiah. People could not resist his overpowering faith and truth in what he preached, what he talked about. They flocked to him in hundreds, in hundreds, and they heard him speak of the one to come, and they asked him to baptize them, to prepare them. And even as he attracted all these followers, he never took the credit himself. He never lost his vision for what he was doing, and that was to point people to the one to come. The one who was going to follow after him and be their Messiah. That, the reason I'm sharing all that is that's the setting for the scripture reading today. That's what you need to put yourself into that this is John the Baptist and where we're going with that. So the scripture today is John 1, verses 35 through 42. So I invite you to hear these words, maybe new today. Put aside anything you've heard before and let's hear them today. The next day, John, being John the Baptist, again was standing with two of his disciples. And as he watched Jesus walk by, he exclaimed, Look! Here is the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and saw them following, he said to them, What are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come and see. They came and saw where he was staying, and they remained with him that day. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated anointed. He brought Simon to Jesus who looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You are to be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. I wonder for you, what is your greatest Christian fear? What do you fear the most in your Christian walk, in your faith? Perhaps it's evangelism. Perhaps it's the fear of sharing your faith with someone. Perhaps you 
don't even want to talk about your faith because you're afraid someone's going to ask you a question you can't answer. Reality is, our fear keeps us from doing what God is calling us to do on a daily basis, to point someone toward Jesus. Do you know what? If you had the courage to step out and to say to someone, I want you to meet the Jesus I know. I want you to come and see. And they ask you a question you can't answer, which is our greatest fear. If you've never been given this permission before today, let me give you this permission today. It is okay to say, I don't know. Let's go find out together. Because no one expects you to have all the answers but you. In our doubts, in sharing our faith, we can be authentic. We can be like Andrew. Andrew didn't have all the answers. He had just met Jesus the day before. He just knew he was the Messiah, and he said, come and see. Come with me to his brother Peter. Peter, the rock upon which Jesus built his church. Some, uh, Andrew was the connector. All he did was tell him about it. Jesus told us in Scripture, go therefore and make disciples. That's what each of us are called to do. So if you think a call, a call to ministry is just for pastors, it isn't. We're all called to that. When we consider the fact that Jesus' words tell us to spread the gospel, we need to take that to heart. But you may think, Pastor Kathy, that sounds great for you, but it's just not for me. It is for you. This series that uh, Pastor Cassie has put us in is exploring our call. Exploring our call. And it's not easy to step out. We are filled with anxiety, but know that the answer is simple. All we have to do is invite someone to come with us to worship, to a Bible study, to a men's breakfast, to a women's gathering. Just come and see. Come and see. Today, that is our most basic message of discipleship. To come and see. There's another great example of a come and see scripture. It's not part of the reading today, but do you know the story of the woman at the well? And when Jesus told her everything she had ever done, she got up and she went back into the village and she told the villagers, Come and see the man who knows everything about me. Scripture stops there, but I never stop there. Come and see the man who knows everything about me and loves me anyway. Just come and see. It's powerful. It's powerful. 
See, John the Baptist had this great witness, this great ministry to find the one. He didn't direct their path. He didn't quote Isaiah to, to his disciples. He just said, look for the one. There he is, the Lamb of God. In verse 38 in our reading, the two disciples approach Jesus and they, they say, um, where are you going? Where are you going? And Jesus turns and says, what do you seek? What are you looking for? What are you looking for? What were you looking for when you came here today? What are you looking for? Are you looking for anything? See, for thousands of years, the Jewish people had been seeking the Messiah. The one. And these two disciples had high hopes that this was the one. John the Baptist had said he was. What type of Messiah are you looking for? What are you looking for in your own life? Are you seeking happiness? Contentment, security, a safety blanket, stability in a broken relationship. All, all of those life situations have the same answer. To seek a relationship with Jesus Christ. And then to point someone else to Jesus as well. Much like when I ask my husband Brad what he wants for dinner, his answer is always, I don't know, what do you want for dinner? Right? Answering a question with a question, I know you all do it too. I'm not singling him out because he's bad. It's our, it's our way of dealing with, we don't have an answer. And that's what happened with these two disciples. The Jesus answered their question with a question. What are you seeking? They were seeking to spend time, just to spend time with Jesus, just to get to know him, to understand for themselves. And Jesus' response was just come and see. It was an open invitation. Come with me. Let's sit. Let's visit. As a result of this time that Jesus spent with these disciples, they became his, uh, one, two of his twelve. They became his uh, disciples. They determined for themselves they had found the Messiah. Andrew knew he found the Messiah. So my call story 
is very twisted, like probably many of yours are, or other pastors that you know, or other church leaders that you know. I remember, I grew up Methodist, First United Methodist Church of Roy City in my hometown. I remember confirmation. How many of you went through confirmation? Anybody? I remember that experience. And if any of you are teaching confirmation, don't take me as an example. But I, I don't remember any of the classes. I don't remember who the pastor was at that time. But I remember that Sunday morning of confirmation. I remember kneeling at the altar rail. And my friend Dixie Hauser was kneeling beside me. And she had on such a pretty little dress. I was jealous. I remember still to today going back to that feeling of, of being jealous and thinking, okay, this, this, uh, this confirmation thing didn't take. I, I'm still the same person I was before I came down here and knelt. And in looking back, I couldn't have told you that then, but in looking back, I really think I gave up that very moment. It's like, well, this must not be for me. It's not sticking. I'm not a different person. I, I'm not born again new. I'm still having these, these selfish thoughts. So in and out through the years of youth, I would be in and out were those years. It's how I treated church. I'd be in and out for MYF. I'd be in and out for whatever was going on, but never stuck because I thought it wasn't for me. I wasn't that holy. I wasn't that spiritual. I didn't measure up. I was not good enough. Spiritually, I was a nobody. Years of that, that kind of relationship with Christ shaped and formed me of being in and out, of trying again, of seeing if maybe it would stick this time, if maybe I could be a better person. Can anybody relate with that? It may just be me. I don't know. I'm okay with that. And then I started visiting a new church. I was in my 40s. And in this church, the walk to Emmaus was a huge deal. Like everyone I met had been on a walk. And everyone kept telling me, you need to go, you need to go. So I did, thinking it was just something else. And I can tell you, for me, that was life-changing. Because I heard one solid message over the weekend. God loves you as you are. God loves you. God loves you. And then I heard, leave this place, find a need, and meet it. Find a need and meet it. That put Jesus' calling my life into a whole different perspective. I didn't have to be a preacher. I could be, I could be a Stephen ministry leader. I could teach a women's Bible study. 
I could organize a men's breakfast. I could scramble bacon. Well, I do scramble bacon. <laughs> I could cook some bacon and scramble some eggs for a women's retreat. All I'm trying to say to you is, you have a call upon your life. What is it? The call you have is just to point others to the Messiah. The whole book of John is about signs that point people to Jesus. So, through my walk to Emmaus experience, and that's where I met Cassie many, many years ago, I started giving talks. And then I started thinking, well, maybe, maybe I want to preach sometimes. So I took lay servant classes to be a certified lay preacher. In 2003, a week after Brad and I got married, second marriage for both of us, my 24-year-old son died in a car accident. And this was a turning point for me. And I just shared this with you because God uses good times and bad times. I remember through that experience only thinking about God as this grandfather figure. Someone I could just get in his lap. He was sitting in a rocking chair, and I could just be. I could just be. Have you had a time you wanted to just be with God? God uses all of your life experiences. He's used my confirmation experience. He's used my in and out of church experience. He's used all of my walk to Emmaus experiences to lead me to finally say, God, I give. You've called me to serve you 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That's why I retired, because that's what I did, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I had a new opportunity before me, and it wasn't about me. And guess what? It's not about you either. It's just about you pointing others toward the Lamb of God. See, this world needs more Andrews. Be like Andrew. He's our role model. First United Methodist Church of Decatur needs more Andrews. The Northeast District needs more Andrews. The North Texas Conference needs more Andrews. Let's face it, the United Methodist denomination needs more Andrews. The world needs us. Andrews are people who are simply committed to bring others to Christ. We need some older Andrews, we need some young Andrews, we need some teen Andrews, we need some mom and dad Andrews, we need some grandmother and grandfather Andrews. We need Andrews. We need people committed. Can you just for a minute picture Andrew? 
Can you just picture him? Him saying, I, I have to go tell Simon. I have to go tell my brother. I have to tell him the good news right now. We can't change people, but Jesus can. We just bring them to him. We can't make unfaithful spouses quit cheating. We can't make an alcoholic stop drinking. We can't make things go right for other people and sometimes even for ourselves. But Jesus can. Jesus took one look at Simon. One look. And he said, you, you will now be called Peter upon which I will build my church because Andrew did his job. Come and see. Friends, that's all you have to walk away with today is to tell someone, come and see so that you can be like Andrew. The world will be a better place. Let's pray. We are most thankful, oh God, that you love us. Oh, and it's not a cliche, God, to say you love us as we are. Because you truly do. And God, you don't love us as we are and just hope to change us. You love us as we are. And because we love you, we desire to change. You love us. All of us. All of our past experiences, good or bad, have shaped and formed us for the task you put before us. A desire to be a caring person. A desire to improve our listening skills. A desire to, to teach words of your scripture. Whatever you call us to do, oh God, you are equipping us. You have already put us through the refiner's fire. Give us courage. Give us wisdom. Give us insight that when we leave this place, we will be more like Andrew. And we will just invite others to come and see. We love you, oh God, and we thank you for your love for us. In Jesus' name, amen.